Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning. Gateway family, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. If nobody said Happy Thanksgiving to you yet, Happy, happy Thanksgiving. There was a uh, college student that brought her roommate home uh, to, to celebrate Thanksgiving with her large family. And, you know, sometimes this family do, you know, they do, you know, they, some argument spun up over some trivial matter and turned into somewhat of a heated debate and people shouting and emoting. And all of a sudden they, they realized that this guest, this uh, young college girl was in their midst and they, they paused, they felt embarrassed. And she said, oh, it's okay. I grew up in a family too. You know, isn't that what families are like? I grew up in a family. How about you? I'm glad for my family. Praise the Lord. I have spent a good portion of my life, probably the last 25 years, even longer, helping, helping other people and uh, doing what is often called you know, personal ministry. And yet Randy, Randy asked me to preach every so often. I think he does it just to keep me humble. I think he does it to help me appreciate what he does on a regular basis, and I greatly do. How many of y'all appreciate Pastor Randy getting up here Sunday after Sunday, <laughs> preaching the Word of God? You know, he doesn't, he doesn't hedge. He, he gives it to us straight. Praise God. Because, you know, this is not easy for me to do. It's a great honor. I, I'm glad to do it, but it, it, is, it is demanding. It's difficult. And uh, those of you who know me know that I probably asked for your prayers this week. Uh, for the, for the grace to preach this morning. Not so much what I do up here, but the you that are here and the message that God wants you to hear. That's, that's the most important thing that takes place this morning. Somehow, someway, God's truth comes through in a personal way, and you have the grace uh, to respond to that and just maybe experience him and his love for you in a, in a more meaningful way, just like the song we were, we were singing about. But some people say, you know, what is personal ministry? Well, Personal ministry, you know, try to do active listening to someone, to listen to what they're going through, um, try to offer empathy, you know, for the, the emotions and the feelings, and, you know, ask, you know, pointed questions. You know, it's not so much what I say, but it's asking those, those good questions. And when the person says, hey, that's personal, none of your business, now I know I'm doing personal ministry. That's, that's how it works, okay? Now I'm meddling. Uh, it's, it's a joy uh, to do personal ministry. Uh, way back in the 1990s, you realize the 1990s were last century, right? Way back in the 1990s, I was doing a counseling internship in Columbia, South Carolina, and there was this book, uh, you know, called Boundaries. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about this book called Boundaries, written by a couple of Christian psychologists, uh, Henry Cloud and, and John Townsend. And I said, well, I got to get that book. I'm going I'm to read that book so I can, I can help people. I'll, you know, I can help people by learning that book. Well, folks, after uh, over 20 years since I first came in encounter with this book and, and seeking to put into practice its principles, I have been helped more than anyone else. I don't think I ever would have gotten this far in life or in my relationships and in ministry by not put into practice what, what I've learned in this book. Sometimes it says the best thing we can do for others is take care of ourselves. 
Because we don't take care of ourselves how much time before somebody else will have to take care of us, and we won't be much good either. Any of you that are in the people helping field, like counselors, nurses, doctors, dentists, psychologists, police, firemen, first responders, anything, teachers, any, any of those capacities where you're dealing a lot with other people, particularly in, in needy situations, you are a people helper. And uh, the principles in this book are, are very, very powerful. They're helpful. They've been greatly helpful to me. They're based on scripture, which is what I love about them. Or just in daily life, folks, you don't have to be a professional people person people helper person, to put these into practice. They're very practical. They're all about relationships. They've, they've made a huge difference for me over, over this time. And, you know, uh, boundaries, you know, they're principles that give structure. They give structure to life, okay? I don't know about you, but I need a lot of structure in life. In your bulletin, there's, a, there's an outline. If you want to follow along with that, it says uh, happy, happy Holidays, question mark, at the top. This is uh, the fourth and final part in our Relationships Rx series. And uh, if you want to follow along, we'll give you the fill-ins. Also, if you have uh, the YouVersion Bible app, you can use that. And uh, we have a, a live page on there. You follow the instructions. That information is at the bottom of the notes on the back side, if you want to follow along with, with that. But boundaries are, are huge because... Like fences on property lines, lines, relational boundaries help us. Help us determine who is responsible for what in a healthy relationship or in any relationship, right? Because, you know, if I have a neighbor and he's got a piece of property and I got a piece of property and we have a fence in between, it's pretty obvious. You know, he's supposed to be responsible for what's happened on his side of the fence. I'm responsible for my side of the fence, right? And now as good neighbors, we can help each other out. You know, if he's got to rush off to the hospital and his, his dog needs to be taken care of, I can, I can help him out. Or if I'm going to be away on vacation and I, I ask him to cut my grass for me and he, he does, it's marvelous. As good neighbors, we can help each other out. But generally speaking, right, I got to take care of what's on my side of the fence. He's responsible for what's on his side. And boundaries, you know, principles are very much like that. They help us to sort out, like being a good neighbor, who's responsible for what. But the problem with relational boundaries is that they're invisible, right? That's why we use physical boundaries to illustrate them, because relational boundaries are invisible. How do I know what to do? This seems like a good idea. It feels right. I, you know, I want this person to you know, know I'm a good Christian and don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but it gets real nebulous. You know, how, do, how do we sort it all out? And that's why I just love this material. Well, it's often, you know, our personalities and families of origin are major influences on whether we develop healthy boundaries or dysfunctional boundaries or, or a combination. You know, it's often to have a combination of these going on. I think of, you know, growing up with seven, I, I come from a family of seven kids, six boys and, a, you know, a girl. And my mother is a very, very loving, devout woman. And uh, as long as we didn't kill each other, she pretty much let us do what we wanted. But my dad came home around 6 o'clock and was like, you know, drill sergeant is here now, and everybody goes into structure. So it was, it was an interesting combination. And, you know, my mom said, you know, each one of us, from the day we were born, from the day she held us in our arms, she said we were different. Each one of us had a distinct personality. And personalities and environment and, you know, heredity, environment, the old thing, you know, all those influences kind of work on it. And personalities 
are neither good or bad. I, th- I believe God gives us each a personality when we're born. It's not, it's not a matter of having a good or bad personality, but every personality has, an, has inherent strengths and weaknesses to it. And understanding the strengths of my personality and the weaknesses allows me to use my strengths in a loving way based on God's truth. And then to, rather than make excuses for my weaknesses, find God's grace and understanding and the help I need to shore them up. I may not spend a lot of time on my weaknesses. In fact, a lot of career experts say if if you waste too much time trying to fix your weaknesses, you may not be operating in your area of strength, okay? But we still want to be aware of them and, and shore them up and find God's grace to deal with them. And, you know, some boundary principles are are common sense. They seem like it, but not for everyone. I remember sharing this material with a gentleman in our church uh, back in Ohio, great guy, godly man, and I was telling David about these principles. He goes, common sense, common sense. Well, David, it may be for you. Maybe you came from a wonderful, loving family that practiced all these healthy boundaries. You know, my family was loving, but we we weren't real clear on on, on those boundaries. Some people may be common sense for other of us, it's not so much. It's not so much common sense. And the reason I, I, you know, I, I bring this message to you now and glad to have this opportunity because it's during the holidays, particularly over Thanksgiving and Christmas during those, those family gatherings where, where some of the, you know, the baggage from the, the past, you know, these are the occasions that the baggage of boundary problems are often revisited. They, they resurface. And then some of those negative familiar results where you you go away shaking your head after that meal and saying, you know, that was so stupid. Why did I say that? Why did so-and-so have to bring up that thing that happened 20 years ago? Why, do, why does my mother or my dad, why, why don't they give me some approval? You know, all those, you know, I'm the only one that counters anybody else. I'm the only one from a family here that will admit there was some dysfunction, but I'm glad the rest of you don't have these issues. So God bless you. Thanks for bearing with me and you. Hopefully, you know, you'll be, if nothing else, when you leave today, you'll feel sorry for me. That poor guy. Oh, that poor guy. All he goes through, it's terrible. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little fun. And just the next few minutes, take a look at the screen, okay? See if you can identify any boundary problems at work, okay? Hey, Tony. Hey, 
um, well, Dad just texted and was asking how Thanksgiving was coming along. And uh, you're going to be in town, right? Your number is coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely be there. Okay, awesome. I'll see you there. Wait, 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 wait. Will I get to break the wishbones here? <laughs> yes, of course. Are you sure? Okay, bye, Kaden. Hey, Tony. Hey, Kobe. Uh, Dad was just asking how Thanksgiving is coming along, and I just wanted to see if you're going to be there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be there for sure. Um, I have one question, though. <laughs> okay, what is it? Uh, can we have three turkeys this year? No! Do you know how long that would take? Three turkeys? Three turkeys is so much better than one turkey. Three. No. Three. No. Tony, three turkey. No. Three. No. Any of those little interactions seem familiar to you? In your uh, bulletin on the front side, you'll see uh, a diagram that repeats and shows you those, what we call the four quadrants, four quadrant of, of boundary problems that were just uh, acted out for us. And you, you see them, you know, as, as you celebrate this uh, Thanksgiving, this upcoming Christmas, uh, you know, if you identify with any of those, let me, let me do a, a quick review. We got, we got the compliant person, right? The compliant person has the hard time saying no. And, and because of that, the compliant person Gets, gets easily manipulated by others, okay? The compliant person often serves as the peacekeeper, not wanting to make waves, want everybody to be happy and get that approval from others. So they, they have a hard time saying no and setting boundaries. And then, then you have the controller, the guy at the end, the end there who wanted three turkeys, right? The controller is often manipulating to a compliant person. The controller is like the pushy salesman that just keep pushing and pushing and won't say no. Has anybody here ever been to a timeshare presentation? Am I, am I only one? <laughs> Will I ever go back to a timeshare presentation? Probably not. I, I've been to three, and I don't know why. Every time I've done one, it's like, I'll never go back again, <laughs> and I end up going back. But usually I come away with a little cash or gift or something. I never buy, but it's just all the emotional trauma just going through it. It's a drag. Yeah, you, pay, you do pay for it. <laughs> then you have the non-responsive person. Non-responsive is the one who seems cold to the needs of others. You know, uh, they, they may have the resources to meet somebody's need, and they just don't seem to care, though. They, they may be in relationship with that person, and the, the need is legitimate, but they, for some reason they don't respond. If you remember the, the parable Jesus told the Good Samaritan, after he, the guy was uh, on his way to Jericho and got mugged and he's alongside the road and he's bleeding and beat up and and a, a pharisee i think a priest or a priest and a levite two two religious men people we would call today good christian good spiritual people instead of helping out this guy and some commentators said these guys have probably just come from temple you know in jerusalem we're heading back to jericho they just had a religious experience and here they see an obvious need and they have rather than helping what do they do they move to the other side of the road. That is the non-responsive. And then there's the avoidant. The avoidant person is one who struggles to admit their need and ask for help. 
You ever heard of the term martyr complex? Somebody who seems to never need anything and does all stuff for others, and then someday they just break down. Oh, nobody ever cares for me. I'm doing everything. Nobody cares. Well, maybe you, you should have told us you have a need. You know, I've, I've seen some of these things acted out. Uh, for some reason, they don't ask for help, you know? And the book of James says sometimes we have not because what? We ask not, you know? So these are, these are typical. I'm not saying, you know, uh, you're a bad person or a good person based on, on what you fall into. A lot of, like I say, is our personalities. It's our, our families of origin and other influences that we've, we've gotten to this place and where we're at on these boundaries. And as we witness in the video, you know, boundaries are lived out. They're lived out in relationships. And the closer we are in relationship with somebody, guess what? The more likely problems will arise. And the, the good news is, folks, when we work through a difficult relationship, a situation, and some of you know what I'm talking about, if you're willing to put in the emotional energy to stick with the person, to speak the truth in love, and to persevere, you know what? Sometimes those relationships become stronger, okay? Rather than becoming bitter, we, be, we become better, okay? So there is a payoff if we're willing to work through those, those boundary issues and, and go further in them. And understanding and practice them can make our relationships more pleasant and more productive, in fact, one of the greatest principles that I learned studying the bunch of material is that as I become a healthier person, I'm actually attracted to healthier people. And the, and the ones that are sucking the life out of me or taking advantage of me, all of a sudden I start to see, wait a minute, why am I putting up with this? You know? And I, I start seeing that yuck and it doesn't, doesn't feel good anymore. As I get emotionally stronger and have emotionally healthy people to deal with, I'm easy, it's easier for me to say no to some of the unhealthy stuff. And that's a real big payoff for anybody who works through the, the boundary uh, issues. Well, today we're going to consider four boundary principles that you can put to, to practice. And again, they're all founded upon this book, uh, Boundaries, by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And these are out, uh, we've got a limited number of copies of these out at our Next Step Ministry booth, and if you go out, I think this door right here, and then veer to your left, it's right about, that lady in the yellow shirt, I think it's right about where you are. <laughs> okay, it's out, it's out there. So if you're interested, they're for sale out there at a reasonable price, and you can, you can look into it if this, if this stuff resonates with you and you want to put it into practice. All right, let me go, I'm just going to go quickly through the uh, just four, there's a lot more boundary principles. I think these are kind of the foundational ones that, that have stood out to me over the years. So that's why I'm highlighting them. And the first one is there's a contrast between a burden and a load. And this is based on Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and 5. Verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, right? Help each other out. That's what Jesus did, right? Carry those burdens. But then a few short verses later, in the same chapter, it says each one should carry their own load. You say, wait a minute, there's a contradiction there. How many people say, oh, there's all kinds of contradictions in the Bible? Well, this is one of those apparent contradictions. Each one should carry their own load, help carry each other's burdens. Well, it, it seems like a contradiction at face value. And often, folks, if you are willing to dig a little deeper in the Bible and get commentaries and maybe go into the original languages. It's amazing how many of these so-called uh, uh, contradictions resolve themselves. And the, the, way it, the way this one resolves is there, the key is there is a different word. In the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, there's a different word 
for boundary and for load. The word here used for boundary means like an overwhelming load, like a you know, 400 pound burden, you know, boulder. You know, boundary is like a boulder you're trying to carry, and you can't do it. It's, it's not feasible, it's not practical. Whereas the load here is, would be a, a reasonable amount for somebody to carry, such as a, a backpack or luggage. If you remember, boundary is, is a boulder, I mean, I'm sorry, back up. Burden is a boulder, the load is luggage, okay? There's a difference between the two, okay? So scripture, you know, it's very clear when somebody is overwhelmed and they got more than we can handle, we're to step in and help them out, right? Scripture says when one is weak, the other's strong. Sometimes I'm going to be weak, I'm going to need somebody else's strength. We help each other out. Yet each of us is considered to carry our own piece of luggage, to do what is my responsibility. Just like in the, in the analogy of neighbors and property lines, I don't expect my neighbor to cut my grass, okay? <laughs> he may do it as a favor, but I pretty much, well, my son actually cuts the grass most of the time, praise God. But you know, I, I, I'm responsible. I was out there on a ladder with a pruner trying to take down some branches the other day, risking my life so they don't scrape against the house, right? I mean, I, nobody's going to do that for me. I can pay somebody to do that, right? But I can't expect my neighbors to do that for me. That's, that's my reasonable load, okay? They may help me out, but it's still my load to take care of. So that's the principle one. We help each other out when we're overloaded, when we're overloaded, but each one of us is responsible for our own lives, our own choices, our own action, our own words, and to, to get our needs met. I, if I sit around, expect somebody to meet my needs rather than taking action, that may be a, a load that I'm not taking responsible for. Number two is that true love has the freedom to say no. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all you do be done in love. So if I don't have the option to say no to something, how do I know I'm really being motivated by love? It may be fear. It may be guilt. It may be, you know, I want somebody's approval or acceptance. There's all kinds of motives. So for true love to say yes, there has to be the option to say no, to ensure there's not a wrong, wrong motive, right? We cannot do everything. We are finite beings. There is a God, and I'm not him. And I'm pretty sure you're not him, okay? God is infinite. We are finite. We are limited. We have so much time, energy, resources, capacities, even emotionally. Uh, there's more and more research and you know, work being done on emotional capacities and how important it is for us to replenish our emotions rather than just giving out and out and out to where we burn out. The Apostle Paul gave guidance in his prayer uh, for the, the church at Philippi. And this is uh, Philippians 1, 9 and 10. One of my favorite verses, by the way. Paul prayed for them. He says that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Isn't that interesting? It says true love will empower us with real knowledge and discernment. Isn't that powerful? And it says by then you may approve the things that are excellent. How powerful is that? Don't you want to do that which is excellent? I mean, there's all kinds of good causes we can give ourselves to. There's all kinds of things that tug on my emotions and feelings, and this is a needy, you know, worthy cause. How do I know what to, what to do? And the Apostle Paul says, we got to do that which is excellent, you know? And that may be different for each one of us. Not everybody's going to be excited about a cause you have and about a cause I have, right? 
because of our personalities, our giftedness, our experiences, our education, just the opportunities, you know, uh, we, we may do different things, and that's okay. God made us that way. But to say yes to the excellent means I have to say no to some other things, or I'm never going to be able to get my energies focused long enough and have an impact on that which is excellent. So have the freedom to say no. Then understanding the difference between a hurt, between hurt and, a, and harm. We need God's discernment. And this is often where we get in trouble, especially those are touchy-feely people who you know, feel such compassion and care, which, you know, which is legitimate, but again, we're limited in what we can do. Great illustration of this. When I go to the dentist, right, I have a cavity that needs to be cleaned out and filled, or I have a root canal. I've had a few of those now. It's not a lot of fun. It hurts, okay? It does hurt sitting there, just sitting there. Even when you're, you're, you're drugged up and you're just, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's no fun. It hurts a little bit, right? But is that dentist harming me? No, he's not harming me. He's hurting me a little bit, right? My feelings, my you know, body's being hurt a little bit, but he's actually helping me. He's actually getting me toward greater health. And if I don't go through the hurt to get the work done, to get to that health, I'm going to be worse off. You see that? Make a distinction between hurt and harm, okay? Scripture makes a pretty clear distinction. And from Proverbs 27, it says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses of an enemy. You know, practicing healthy boundaries may cause some hurt. You know, it may hurt somebody's feelings because I can't meet their expectations, right? And I, I know, I don't want to do that callously, and it, it hurts me to see somebody grieve. But I know if I just let feelings and, you know, guide everything and people's expectations, I'm a mess. I'm scattered. I, I'm wiped out. I can't live that way very long. <laughs> I can live that way for a while, okay? So practicing health and boundaries may cause some hurt, but it's not going to harm people. And then go on further uh, in Ephesians 5, Paul says, we speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. It says speaking the truth in love is actually spiritual maturity. It means we're growing toward maturity. And folks, you think about your relationships. Your best relationships, your closest relationships, the most intimate relationships are the one where you're most free be spontaneous and, and say what's on your heart and your mind without, you know, without walking on eggshells, without, you know, wondering what's going what's gonna to happen here, okay? So those, those are the kind of relationships we want to move to. And yet we recognize these boundary problems and, you know, and it is important, you know, to have a, a caring person. When we, we recognize things, we want to start changing. We need a caring person in a safe place to discuss it. And that's the fourth principle. It says we need a support system to make healthy changes. Folks, change is not easy. If change was easy, we'd be, man, we'd be wonderful. Henry Cloud, I love one of his, he, he has a, a free uh, email he sends out called the Daily Cloud. I'd encourage you to get it, sends it to your email five times a day. They're just little piffy sayings. He sent one out a little while back. It says, when I get comfortable with being uncomfortable, my growth is unlimited. Hear that? When I get comfortable with being uncomfortable, my growth is unlimited. 
Why? Because all change requires discomfort. All change requires me to go into the unknown where I haven't been before, and that's scary. One of the most dysfunctional people I ever met was a guy named Jim, and I was working for him at a little business about the same time I was found out about this boundaries material. And I'm not going to go into details. Just take my word for it, okay? Jim was dysfunctional, okay? I don't want to make a judgment, but my humble opinion, okay? One of the things I learned from Jim was the saying, it's just curious, he had this saying, have you ever heard this before? He said, better the devil you know than the one you don't. You ever heard that before? Better the devil you know. You're in a situation, it's yucky, you don't like it, but somehow, some way, you're surviving it, and you've gotten used to it, you know it, you kind of know what to expect. And this devil over here may actually be a much better situation, might offer you a much more pleasant, peaceful, productive, happy life, but you don't know it. It's scary. You get over there. How am I going to do that? Okay? We need, we need a support system. We need a safe place to talk. Henry Cloud says, when we get comfortable with being uncomfortable, with making those changes, our growth is unlimited. How many would say here, I want to remain stagnant the rest of my life? Are you, none of you would hear probably say that. But folks, seriously, if you want growth, it requires change. Will everybody appreciate the changes you make? How about Moses when he went to Pharaoh? Let my people go. Bam, he let him go. Everything was wonderful, right? Not my Bible. What did Pharaoh do? You think you can let these people go? I'll tell you what. You think their works now is hard. Guess what? No more straw. You think the people responded well to Moses after they lost their straw to make their bricks? I don't think so. Okay, folks? Change is hard. When I change, it often requires others to change also if they want to be in relationship with me. It's not easy. I may get some negative feedback. It may hurt some people's feelings. I may disappoint people, okay? But if nothing changes, nothing changes. So if you want to stay where you're at, then that's fine. Henry Cloud says to embrace discomfort, folks. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> what do you want to call it discomfort? But when I'm willing to embrace this, to go to those places I haven't been before, and by God's grace, get through them, there is a payoff. Praise the Lord. It may not be automatic. It may not come out all, all at once, but it will be there. Proverbs 15:22. Plans will go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Get good people around you, people that care about you, wise people. Let them be the influence on you. A friend is always loyal. A brother is born for a time to help in need. That's why I'm glad I have five brothers. I always call them when I need money, right? Hey, brother, I heard you were born for a time in need. No, by God's grace, we don't, we don't do that too often. Uh, but... Uh, we need those safe people. Who are those safe people? Who are those safe places in your life? We all need them, especially if we're not functioning maybe as well as we want to and we want to go beyond that. And I just want to run quickly through the boundaries tools, right? I told you I was going to go quickly through the boundary principles. That didn't go so quick, did it? I'm going to go through these a little faster. Okay, here they are. Boundary tools to employ, right? Words. Words communicate my boundaries to others. Do you expect people to read your mind? They're probably not very good at it. Speak. Let people know. Truth. Truth gives me the confidence that my boundaries are based on biblical principles. And as a pastor and as a Christ follower, follower I want to be, be, you know, in tune with God's truth. 
I want to be in sync with what, what God says, right? Remember Jesus said his truth will what? It will set you free. But he says you have to continue. He says if you continue in my word, you are my disciples. How often do I back off? I read something I don't like, and all of a sudden maybe I'm not continuing quite as enthusiastically. Continuing in the word is where we find truth, and then we're set free. Physical distance gives me separation to protect myself. Time if I manage my time, I can limit the influence of bad things, and I can expose myself to good things, right? Um, emotional distance. Emotional distance protects my heart. Scripture says, guard your heart. From it flow the issues of life. Our hearts are very precious. Don't cast your pearls before swine, Jesus said. Not everybody's a safe person to open up to. Protect yourself. People that are, you want people that are, are respect your privacy and confidentiality and really care about you. Other people. Other people can lighten my load and help support the changes I make. Just like, uh, you know, the, the front line on a football team, you know, will block for the running back or protect the quarterback. We need other good people in our life to help protect us and, you know, put these boundaries into principle. So your, your assignment, if you choose to accept it from Mr. Phelps, not, no, actually from the Bible here in God's word, uh, is to identify, identify one boundary area in your life that you want to approve to improve this holiday season. As we looked at those different scenarios, you know, think about a scenario you might be into and how you want to improve it. So try, identify it, okay? And then you want to plan your strategy, what you're going to do. You want to share it with a friend you trust who's going to encourage and support you. You want to pray about it, you know, ask God's help, and then employ it. Put it to practice, even if it's a little scary, if it, you know? And then afterward, celebrate it. Go tell somebody. Go back and tell that person who was encouraging and pray for you how, how it went. And, and that's, that's good. Um, so that's something to do. And, if, and the boundaries, material, the book, if you want that out there at the uh, next step table, that can be helpful if you, if you really want to dig a little deeper. And, what, you know, so much of life, folks, revolves around relationships. And the healthier they are, the better life is. Yet I would do you all a great disservice this morning if I didn't point out or emphasize the most important, the vital relationship of all. And I've been asked, our media guys, they're going to come over here. They're going to bring me a whiteboard. I just want to take a few minutes, folks, to just to emphasize, for me to have healthy relationships with other humans on the horizontal level, the most vital relationship, the reason, the reason we celebrate Christmas to begin with is a Savior was born, okay? And I got some uh, sticky notes here that I'm going to slap up. Now, all they have is a, is a reference, right? But you can, you can look it up. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 8-9. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, right? Jesus was rich. He was up in heaven. Though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. He came down to us and became poor. And it says because of this, his poverty, because of his poverty, we can be made rich. What a, what a great offer. What a celebration. The babe born in the manger. It's, it's outstanding. And, and most of us know the famous you know, John 3, 16, one of the most popular verses in the Bible. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, what, will not perish, but have 
everlasting life. So we know, right, it was the love of God. It was the love of God that sent his son to the earth so that we may have everlasting life. But you say, well, what, what exactly am I to believe? What, what is the message, okay? Well, the message is 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that Jesus Christ, he's righteous, okay? He's holy. He's never been corrupted by sin, right? He's righteous. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 said Jesus became sinful, right? The righteous one became sinful so that we, he took, he, the righteous one took our sin upon himself, right? To remove it so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, right? And by that, be at peace with God. What an incredible offer. He, you know, it's all done for us. And it's simple. John 1.12 says, to those who receive him, who receive Jesus Christ and his message and, and the work he did on our behalf, they have the right to be children of God. They now become children of God. What an incredible offer. So we now enter into this relationship. And one day when we leave the earth, because I have been made righteous in Christ, I will now go into the presence of a righteous God. Good news. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news. And folks, just as John 3.16, okay, is one of the, the uh, most uh, beloved and common verses, there's, there's a verse, okay? There's a verse. I'm going to put it over here. There's a verse just 20, 20 verses later at the end of chapter John, or chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. And this one is not quite as, you know, as the favorite as this other one, but it's just as important. It starts out very similar to John 3.16. It says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Great news. Then it has a but. But. The one who does not obey the Son does not have the life. In fact, it says, for that one, it says the wrath of God abides on him. For us to be made righteous, my sin has to be dealt with. The way my sin is dealt with is by confessing it to Christ, knowing he took it, he took it to hell for us, folks. We don't have to go there. He, that's what he did. He didn't take his own sin. He took my sin upon himself so that could be removed from me. He changed places with me. He took all my junk upon himself, took it away so I could be clean and receive his righteousness. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes and we are born of the Spirit, we become God's child. We are now marked righteous. You have now have the righteousness of God. And when we pass from this mortal life, we have entrance into a righteous heaven. Heaven is righteous. If I remain in my sinful state and I pass from this life, folks, I am not righteous. I will not go into the presence of God. Now, some people may want to tell you you do or some way, somehow. Bible's pretty clear that's not the case. Okay, the wrath of God abides on those who reject his son. Okay, he doesn't force ourselves. God respects our boundaries. He is the creator of boundaries. He does not force himself upon us. We cannot force ourselves upon him. I can't bang on there and say, I'm going to get in because, you know, I'm a real good guy and I went to church and I wasn't bad like this guy, blah, 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 means nothing. You're just as sinful and I'm just as sinful as everybody else. The ticket is righteousness. 
The only true righteousness that God honors is that of Jesus Christ, his own son. And Jesus, though he is God, though he is perfect and righteous, he's also a gentleman, which is absolutely amazing. You know, Revelation 3.20 says he doesn't bust in on us. It says he stands, he stands at the door and knocks. He knocks at the door of our heart. He may be knocking at the door of your heart this morning. Jesus says the Holy Spirit moves like the wind. He comes and goes, and we can't control him. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, folks. Don't wait. Don't wait to receive Christ. You may not know when the next time he moves on you and prompts you and calls you to himself. Jesus invites us to open up to him, to partake of this life. It's the best thing happening. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't 36 and a half years ago. I had to get pretty broken, pretty humble before I was willing to look up. And it's the best choice I ever made. Our prayer partner is going to be up here, up front for you. Remember, if you want a boundaries book, go out to the next step. And Lord, we, you know, we are here. Gateway Church is here to help you. This may be some tough truth. Remember I said, boundaries sometimes help hurt our feelings. This may be some tough truth for you this morning, okay? But truth is truth. If truth is truth, it doesn't change. And my feelings and my beliefs don't change the truth. This is the good news. This is the best news. This is why we celebrate Christmas. And it occurred to me, I was preparing this message, the last thing I'm going to say. Jesus, you know, he was that baby boy, right? Because of circumstances, he was laid in what? A wooden manger, a feeding trough, right? Later, when he was a man, about 33 years old, he was what? He was laid on a wooden cross, right? He went from the wood of the manger to the wood of the cross, willingly, right? And now he knocks on the door of our hearts. And doors are often made of wood, okay? Don't neglect the full circle. Open up the door. Let him in. Let him give you that love and righteousness. And you know, that's the best thing. When I get rid of all this junk in my life, and let Christ take it to me and bring it, bring me into his standing. And it says the Holy Spirit pours out his love within his hearts. Guess what? I am much more prepared to have good relationships here. Please pray with me. God, I praise your holy name. Thanks for each person here. Thank you for their perseverance and patience. And Lord, we know, Lord, truth is truth. And Lord, you're going to do what you do. And Lord, I just pray that we have enough uh, humility and grace and Lord, the understanding and that we will do what you'd have us do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great holiday and practice good boundaries. It'll be better. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.